Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast, a place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here is your host, Zach Small, founder of thefamilyalpha.com and co-founder of thefraternityofexcellence.com. Let's get to work. Welcome to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Small, and today we're diving into a topic that's near and dear to my heart, which is fatherhood. As I came up in, in the ranks of writing, one of the things that really stood out to me is that nobody wanted to talk about parenting. If I ask you the question, what's the last book you read on business? You probably have an answer. What's the last book you read on fitness? You likely have an answer or at least a blog post that you really go to or website. But when I say, what's the last time you did any research or any reading on being a better parent? Very few have anything to say. And my guest today, Anthony Migliorino, has taken that head on with PeacefulFathers.com. He's been putting out a resource for all men, all future fathers that have children or are going to have children on how to start evaluating where you're at and how you can do better. How can you connect more intricately with your child? How can you form a better relationship? How can you heal with yourself to ensure that you don't cause any trauma in your child and repeat the cycle? With all that, Anthony, welcome to the show. How you doing, Zach? Thanks for having me on again. I'm, <laughs> yes, excited. I'm excited to be here, brother. Anthony is a repeat guest, and we're going to dive back into it. So today, we're talking about addiction. We're talking about childhood trauma. We're talking about many of the things we're seeing in society today, and maybe things that were always there, or at least building, but were really amplified in 2020, and it's really brought everything to the center stage. So Anthony, before we dive into the topic of discussion with childhood and addiction, what got you on this path? What, what brought Peaceful Fathers to becoming the area where you're like, you know, this is what I want to write about, I want to blog about, and I want to spread the good word of? Um, as far as addiction in childhood or just? No, just uh, in general, fatherhood. Everything in general? Um, I mean, man, I've, I've been doing it a long time. I've been um, really researching and studying parenting for over a decade now. My kids are a little bit older. Uh, they're 23, 20, and 15 now. So besides having experience as a father for a long time, um, I've read a ton of books on parenting, a lot of a lot of books on psychology, a lot of books on addiction. Um, you know, I see it in, in one area that we don't focus enough time on as men, as fathers. And I, I think it's definitely an aspect of uh, masculinity and fatherhood where we can become stronger, right? How, how strong could we be if we don't have strong families? And... <clears throat> A big thing with parenting is prevention. And I think that's, for me, where the addiction thing comes in. We we see a lot of what's going on in the world. We see a lot of people who are addicted to so many different things, alcohol, uh, drugs, work, people addicted to work. And, you know, I, I made a commitment that I wanted to not only protect my kids, but actually get them informed on what was going on and, and have them have the best capability of, of having a good life and becoming the best person that they could be. You know, as you're going through that, it, it's coming to mind, obviously I've openly shared, you know, I've been dealing with alcohol, you know, that was kind of my vice. And at 183 days now, I'm, I'm in a much more clear headspace. But one thing that I found myself doing is kind of looking back on who I was. And in a lot of that, there's a lot of shame there. 
And there's a lot of regret. I see wasted time, wasted money, you know, everything. Anybody who's been addicted to anything and done stupid things looks back and they're like, oh, I hate that person. But it's where we came from. And I wonder if I had a conversation like this or if I had, you know, discussions on topics like this before I went into the deep end, maybe I wouldn't have gone as deep. You know, maybe if I had kind of been able to look down the path and see where I was headed, I could have like, all right, I want to choose a different path. I didn't have that opportunity that just for whatever reason in my life that didn't happen. But here, you know, you're saying that you can be proactive instead of reactive with your children. Are you, or what is your opinion on, is there a time where it's too late? Let's say your child, you said your, uh, your child is 25, your oldest. What if you now so saw them going through something? 23. <clears throat> 23. No, no, no. You, you probably said it right. I probably heard it wrong. <laughs> you know, but we're talking about children and there are people like, well, my child's too big. You know, my child's an adult now. So when we say children, I just want to clarify, are you talking all children? A parent can start setting a better example. Or are you saying you got to get them if it's past 10? Well, you're screwed. No, man, they are your child forever. Um, your, your job as a father is never done. And I think, you know, you're a testament to overcoming something, right? So even as old as you are, you were able to overcome your addiction. Um, it doesn't mean that it, you know, we're, we're doomed, but um, I, I think there just needs to be more emphasis on really kind of what's going at going on at the root cause, right? Why so many young people are growing up being addicted. And um, I think with a little insight and a little uh, better perspective on the situation, fathers will have a lot more tools to helping their kids develop in a healthy way, as opposed to, uh, you know, trying to um, suppress things and and not deal with it. You know, it's it's kind of like when something's painful, you have to face it head on. And as a child, uh, a lot of times how, you know, I, I speak about peaceful parenting a lot <clears throat> and how we, how a lot of parents respond to their kids, you know, they're threatening them, they're neglecting them. Um, there's, there's a lot of abuse going on. And I, I think that teaches our children to, to almost become addicted to um, to comfort, right? They don't want their parents to keep coming down on them and keep abusing them. So what they'll do is look for any way to avoid that pain, whether that's complying with the parent, whether it's shutting down. And I, I think to me, that's a key element in addiction from right there early in childhood. It, it teaches them to <clears throat> um, not face what really needs to be faced. So as we grow up as an adult, and let's say we become addicted to alcohol, you know, we, we think that we can simply um, abstain from it or, or remove it from our lives and we fix something. Uh, I would have to disagree with that a little bit. And I think that, you know, there, there's something hidden, there's something going on that that's making us not, uh, well, that, that's making us feel bad that we, we haven't been dealt, you know, dealing with properly. So a lot of times I think you can move from addiction to addiction or, you know, you, you might not just be really fulfilling your intended purpose fully. So do you think this is a modern thing? You know, do you think because of the, the type of world we're living in now, it's a, let's say the past 50 years, a lot of advancements in technology, way post industrial revolution, our lives have become focused around dad goes to work, mom raises kids, kids grow up, kids go to work, the cycle repeats. People are addicted to sugar now. We have obesity. We have uh, weakness. And I mean that in the literal sense, like children are just weaker. They're not outside. Uh, porn, big addiction there. You know, that's a, one I've seen a lot online. 
and not the porn, but the addiction. <laughs> and then, you know, it's, it's thing after thing after thing, you know, speed, what the hell ever, how, or has this always been an issue or do you think it's been amplified? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely been amplified and I, I think it's been amplified as family structure has been <clears throat> diminished, right? As more fathers are out of the home or even working more, um, parents uh, aren't the cohesive unit they used to be. There's a lot of divorce now, a lot of single family homes. But besides that, um, you know, you brought up food addiction and which is there's 200 million people who are obese in this country. And I think that, um, you know, it, it, that's probably one of the, the largest addictions in the world. And, um, you know, we always say people eat their feelings and, and things like that. But um, it, it's as, you know, as far as a children's concerned, you know, you, you can teach a kid to eat healthy, right? By the example that, that you do in the home with you and your wife, you can teach your kids to eat healthy foods. And, but um, I, I just think that if there's something um, deeper than that, if, if the child is really feeling um, traumatized from how they're treated, it's going to be a tough road. And I think that addictions are going to continually take shape in different ways and control and definitely control a child's life. I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did, but it, it just <laughs> brings up the next question. So let's, let's keep going down this rabbit hole. And I know you're kind of in the hot seat now, but if, if fathers are the ones causing this, you know, we, we like to take a lot of responsibility and, and a lot of time the blame gets put on the man. And for me, it's rightfully so in the sense that I view all men that if you have an issue, you need to fix that issue. You know, you need to do whatever it is. And sometimes it's, it's getting divorced. You know, maybe it's dealing with another person. You've got to take a tough action like that, or you've got to resolve something with him. But with all these kids coming up and they're all addicted, where were they failed? Why did fathers start raising children who become addicts? What happened to the fathers? What happened to being a man and leading your family to, to lead to this? Everybody's addicted to something. You know, why? What caused that? Where, where do you believe at least this started? Well, I, I think there's always always been addiction. I don't think it's anything new, but um, I definitely think it's heightened. Right? As we become more aware, I think we're, we're able to see it better. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's, it's <laughs> it is our responsibility, but it's not our fault. Um, so I wouldn't blame fathers or I wouldn't blame parents. I think it's, um, you know, a product of the times. It's, it's what we're seeing. I think there's a lot of pain. And I think in past times when there was pain in the home, you had, you had both parents. You had a, a stronger bond to help contain it and help keep the family closer. Now we're a lot more separated. So I think this is probably escalating what we see more often. Um, you know, you, you don't have that connection. You don't have families coming together to deal with problems. And, um, you know, it's besides the family not coming together, you know, government's grown. They have taken a hand in helping addicts now. And that's only, you know, heighten the problem. You're not going to, there's nothing really that they're going to do well that's going to help solve anything. Um, you know, and I, I think as, as, as a father, what we can do to, to make sure that we're <clears throat> on the right course and we're really helping our kids is to stop looking at addictions as the problem. Those addictions are there because it's an attempt, whether it's our child or us, 
to solve a problem, right? It's not the alcohol or it's not the pornography that's the problem. It's what they're feeling, the emptiness, the pain that they have, that they're trying to escape. And that leads them to these addictions. It's interesting that you're the way you're saying this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not that they need the booze, they need the drugs, the porn, whatever, is that they don't have something else. And that's causing them to turn to booze, porn, whatever. What do you think that is? You know, there are probably some dads right now who have you know, babies, very young children, and they don't want them to grow up addicted, but they're like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing or if I'm even doing anything wrong. What do you think these people are missing that's causing them to need something else to fill that void? I think it starts with uh, peaceful, principled parenting. I think we need a, a better approach on how we're raising our kids. Um, if, if you're concerned, you know, if, if we can break down addiction where we're trying to um, ease, ease the pain or escape pain. And when we do, um, you know, let's, we'll do drugs. When we, we do drugs, we feel better, right? We have that instant gratification and we feel good in the moment. So we, we'd rather sacrifice uh, short-term pleasure at the cost of a long-term damage. <clears throat> and I think that when we're children, you know, and this goes back to peaceful parenting, if we're raising our kids and we're constantly berating them, we're constantly threatening them, and this is the language we continually keep with them, it's, it's my understanding that this is having a real critical negative effect on their brain, on their development. You know, they, they can't develop properly if all they're seeing is threats, punishment. Um, I mean, you can take it to the extreme side. It's physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. And, you know, I've cited before that I think still over 80% of parents in the United States are hitting their kids. They're still spanking and hitting their kids. So th there's no doubt that, um, you know, this is affecting the, the brain uh, capacity in the development of our kids. So when they get older, you know, they're not developing properly and they're looking instead of instead of trying to have support, instead of getting support from their parents or from their father, they're looking to external sources. So I think if you can create that bond, if, if we can get away from these uh, negative aspects of how we parent and we can create more attachment, and more connection with our kids, I think that's going to be the best weapon against them developing any bad habits or addictions in the future. It's a deep rabbit hole, man. <laughs> you know, like, like there's, there's several questions that came to mind and with the men you've worked with, you know, inside uh, the fraternity of excellence, you've led many, many uh, group chats on fatherhood. You know, we've got our weekly session where we come together, we talk fatherhood and in, uh, ways we can improve wins, losses, and everything in between, you know, and in that it's, it's always interesting to me when you see the new guys come in and I've, I've watched you do it. And you start just, Asking them questions. How do you talk to your kid? Well, I don't know. Well, well, how do you, you know, connect with your child? How do you connect with each of your children in a unique way? People aren't thinking about how they parent and they're not really intentional about, they're kind of just doing it, but there's not much thought that goes into it. What, if anything, <laughs> do you think could open this or bring this to the eyes of someone who maybe is a little hesitant to admit their own personal flaws or admit that maybe they haven't been parenting right and they could do it a different way because that's a very personal hurdle to get over. 
how do you deal with that? How, what's the approach you take to sort of, you know, put that olive branch out and be like, look, I'm not judging you, but I'm trying to help you. And if you don't help yourself, it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I try to take a, <laughs> a peaceful approach. I mean, I've, I've known, I've been known to um, agitate a few, a uh, few people with, <laughs> with the way that I express things. Um, but I, I would say that, um, a, a lot of the guys that I've worked with and a lot of the guys that I've helped, um, I mean, we've, we've built a, a strong community. We, we got a lot of guys who are seeing great results in their homes um, and guys who are getting more in tune with how to be a good father, right? Getting away from these primitive and uh, harsh treatment and they're starting to connect with their kids. And I think once they start doing that, they, they start to realize that their kids are actually listening. Right, their, their kids actually care what they have to say. So, you know, it's not a quick fix. There's nothing easy. It's like, don't yell at your kid and they're gonna be superstars. It, it doesn't work like that. It's really um, doing a lot of work, really understanding what's going on, educating yourself, you know, on, on different parenting methods. Uh, but but I think the, the main thing is, um, you know, with the, re, with parenting, it's it's not just about the behavior of your kid and, and being good to your kid. You're actually building a relationship, right? This is a relationship you're forging with your son or with your daughter. And I think that, you know, the, the golden rule is you, you have to treat them how you would want to be treated. And you can't break that. It, it doesn't it doesn't change because you're the dad and you have to do what I say or um, because you're bigger and you control their money and you control their time. We have to we have to work beyond that, right? We have to think of it as a relationship, where um, your child enjoys your company. They enjoy who you are, and you you work and strive for that. And a lot of guys, they take that the wrong way. Sometimes they think that that means the kid's going to run the house, and the kid's going to control you, and you're going to be submitting to your child. But to me, there's there's standards in relationships that I have with anybody, right? I. I I hold myself to high standards and I hold my, and the people I choose to have around me to high standards. I wouldn't want my kid to have low standards and then start surrounding themselves with people of less quality and having people abuse them and people manipulate them. And, you know, those are the people who they're going to do drugs with. <laughs> so it's, it's about, um, you know, really keeping a, a strong mindset uh, as a father and, and knowing your mission, knowing your purpose. And, and try not to get sidetracked. You know, I think there's this notion, though, that if you are, are soft in your kids, they're not going to be strong kids. If you are, you know, view them as you don't want to be their friend, you know, you, you have to keep this, this strict code. But I see a lot of broken men trying to raise kids with that manner. I'm going to make them discipline. My, before I knew what peaceful parenting was, I was peaceful parenting. I didn't like I when they were very, very young. Like I think like I spanked them maybe twice between the two of them. Both of those occurred before they were three years old. And both of those happened because I lost patience. And I remember as my daughter, I smacked her. Like I've never spanked a bare ass, but I swatted her on the butt. And I was just like this. That's not okay. That's it. That's not like this is my daughter. And it's not because she's a girl, but it, it, it's kind of when I had that moment. I was like, she's just a kid. And I'm, I'm getting mad that a child is acting like a child. And it's, it's funny because they don't remember. My children have no idea that, that kids are hit with belts. They have no idea that kids have their pants pulled down. Or they, they don't even know what that means. 
that's such a foreign concept that it would blow their minds if I expl- if I tried telling them that. They're like, oh, okay, okay, dad, people really do that? No way. <laughs> but we norm like in some that's homes, that's normal. And if you look at it though, <laughs> look at the big picture. We have so many people who are addicted. And and to go back to my point, you know, these dads who are saying, Well, I, I gotta spank them for discipline. I got I have to do this for, you know, to teach them the lesson that you can't do that. Yet their kids are are rambunctious. Where my kids aren't getting hit and they'll they'll I don't need to do anything. They just know how to behave. Why do we still cling to something when the results are telling us the opposite? Why are these dads defaulting to this? Is it because they were brought up that way? Because we have fucked up kids being brought up in these fucked up homes and these these parents think they're doing the right thing. It's the cognitive dissonance there is why aren't these dots connecting? Well, I mean, to answer the, the first question, when you're talking about um, fathers and, and the standard that they have to hold themselves to, I don't think, you know, you, you cannot be there for your, your child if you're not there for yourself, right? If you're not taking care of yourself, and that doesn't just mean physically, it's mentally, emotionally. If, if you're not doing work to become a better man, how are you going to be raising a child productively and, and effectively? How are you going to really be able to withstand temper tantrums or have the, um, the, the mental capacity to not break down when your child's not listening? So I think a lot of it comes back to the man himself, right? It's, it's something that we need to continually strive to work on, like you said in the opening, that um, you know, we're reading books on business, we're, we're reading books on crypto now. Um, <laughs> we need to we need to be responsible for our behaviors with our kid and, and not just always put the blame on them. Um, <clears throat> and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of a lot of guys are still hitting their kids because it's socially acceptable still. And I think once men start pushing back on that, once once fathers can get together, strong fathers like real men, who, who are doing the work and who are leading their families and, and have their, their things in order, once they start to have a voice and we start saying, hey, listen, if we're really going to be the protectors and the, the people who our children are going to come to in hard times, then we need to start being better examples. We need to stop using our power over them. We need to stop having them live in fear of us. And I think once that happens, that's when you create connection. That's when you get your kids' attention. That's when they admire you. That's when they enjoy your company. Um, and for me, that's the path that I've always wanted to, to attain. And it's, it's not difficult because it, it will have you questioning yourself, right? You, you'll do something stupid or you scream or you raise your voice and you're like, that's, that's not the guy I wanna be, right? Why, why there's a little girl here, she's five years old. Why am I making her feel bad, right? What does that say about me as a man? Forget about hitting them. Forget about, you know, putting your hand on them, but just making them feel bad, making them upset, making them not want to be around you. Why would we, why is that something that we um, not only want to make happen, but would even celebrate it or take pride in it? It's, it's just crazy. Well, it's crazy to those who see that it's crazy, but you're the crazy one to them. <laughs> they think that your kids are like little psychos who are swinging from the chandeliers, you know, that, or let me correct that. That's what they say. I don't think they actually believe it. I do believe that they, they see it, but they're so, it's such a personal thing to them that they can't allow them to see it the other way or else it, it requires them to admit so many other flaws and they're not ready to deal with that. You know what? I, I see what you're doing. 
you know, I see what you're growing. I, in this message, I can kind of see the way you're stacking the, these knowledge points for those who are listening to kind of build upon. I, I get it. And to see the way you're delivering it, this, I would hope, or at least it's my aim, and it's why I want you on the podcast, is to amplify this as far as we possibly can. I know Stefan Molyneux, uh, he pushes peaceful parenting. I know yeah, you've mentioned him with a, a lot of the people that you've uh, learned from and the books you've read, and that sort of led to you. And it's for somebody like me, I thought I was squared away. You know, I'm the family alpha. I don't hit my kids. We got these great things. They're healthy champions. My family, we enjoy being together. And then I sit and listen to you. And I'm like, dude, I'm fucking up. <laughs> I'm not doing everything I need to do. I, I should be having more conversations. I should be able to sit down and do these more one-on-one things. I should be saying, hey, how can I be a better father? I, I never, not one time in my life asked them that until after I met and read your work. And I was like, it was really cool. I'm like, hey, you know, I asked him, I was like, hey, just one-on-one, we're cruising. How can I be a better dad? You know, am I being a good dad or, or, or what do you like best? And these are in different conversations. I didn't, I didn't interrogate them, but I kind of just asked these questions and it's always like, no, no, I, I, I love you. Or, you know, we have a great time. And these little reaffirming things, I bet if some fathers were to ask that question, or maybe they're afraid to ask that question because of what the kid could say, I wish you didn't yell so much. I wish you weren't so angry. I, I, I'm going to try to tell this one without my heart getting like too worked up. I heard a story. I, I missed a baseball game because I was at 21 con, like a terrible father trying to help men. You know, I missed a game. Sorry, Anthony, I'll, I'll do my repentance. <laughs> but the other coach told me that uh, one of the kids struck out. He did awful. You know, like he was do- having a bad day. And right before they got in the car, the kid said to the dad, you're not going to yell at me in the car again, are you? And the other, and dude, that, that hurt my soul on a level like, Imagine being that little man and you didn't, you have so much pressure to swing at the plate or to make the play because you're like, shit, if I go in that car, you know, my dad's going to be disappointed. And you're like, fuck. And I'm like trying to like fight it back right now. Like, this is a really sad story. Like, imagine that. Imagine that young man growing up and living constantly trying to live up to dad. Or, you know, and it's just, we have an opportunity with these kids to do such beautiful things. And I wish that it was more normal, the message you're sharing, because it works and it's how we fix this, but maybe I'm a little cynical, you know, but we seem to be so far gone that it's literally like the British empire against the American revolution. And I'm fucking glad I'm in your corner, brother, but there are so few that we need to burn so hot and create so much to spread this. Do you think I know my answer, of course, but do you think it's possible to make this a mainstream discussion? And if so, how does that happen? How do we get this becoming the normal? Um, yeah, no, I, I think it it is sort of mainstream, but not from a father standpoint. There's a ton of women who talk about parenting and probably daytime talk shows. Um, I don't think they're on this level, right? They're not really thinking about it as, as deep as we are. Um, but I think what you just said, right, about your own kids, this is how we build. This is what we're building. We're building communities. We're, we're building, um, you know, when, when you were saying that, I was just thinking about if there's ever a time where my kids are going to meet yours, that's going to be awesome, right? It, it's, even though their, their age, <laughs> even though the age differences are, are um, huge, it's just going to be so nice to see people who were raised in a peaceful way that can have normal interactions where there's 
there's no um, aggression or violence or it's just they can all be content with who they are and be relaxed around each other. Um, and I see that with a lot of the FOE guys, right? If we ever met, families met. And to me, I, I think that's how it, you know, that's the advantage we have. We're winning. Um, it, it's in small doses, but um, it, it's, you know, it, you're not going <laughs> to, unfortunately, you're not going to change mainstream quickly because so many people are wounded. There's a lot of shit that people are trying to heal from. And, um, and I, I think that goes into, you know, continuation on the addiction. That there's so much healing that needs to play, take place and everybody's trying to escape it with addiction. So now that we have all that hope and optimism going, I'm going to throw <laughs> the black cloud back, the, the wet blanket back on it. With all these addicts out there looking at this from the child's point of view, how does a child face that? How can somebody who, let's say it's alcohol, you know, they're addicted to booze because dad always yelled at them and mom wasn't there to protect them. And they have this complex because men are more, you get a lot more aggression in a man, you know, just because the nature of being a man. And we turn to mothers who are tender. If they don't protect us and dad's angry at us, well, alcohol numbs us. And you mentioned that earlier that it's not that they want the booze. They just don't want the pain from angry dad, absent mom. If the parents aren't taking the steps necessary, the child has to put that on their back. How do they move from this? If their parents aren't going to get on board, maybe a kid, a man's listening to this. He's not a family man, but his parents did this to him. And he's at the bottom of a bottle each night. How does he deal with that? How do you reconcile your father's failures that have been projected onto you or your mother's? Yeah. I think, you know, you, you should always be on the path of acquiring self-knowledge. Um, whatever, you know, area or year you are in your life. Um, you know, as if, if I was a young man and I had demons that I was battling and I, and I did, um, you know, it, it takes, it, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the treatments they have now, like AA or, um, anything else that's out there to help. There's a real low percentage, um, that people who don't, you know, who actually, um, can't think of the word who who actually um succeed at, at not being an alcoholic or it's really not a high percentage of success rate um <clears throat> I, I think that the most important thing you can do really is to to get connected with other guys to maybe find a, a men's group if you know one that they can join and um really be open be honest and and start dealing with that pain and i, I said it before where um, you know, we were creating an addiction to comfort almost. So in, instead of our kids feeling the pain and going through the pain and coming out stronger on the other end, they suppress, they, they um, retreat into comfort. And that comfort allows them to exist with, with their parents. So I, I think, <laughs> unfortunately, if you do have abusive parents who are alcoholics, um, or drug addicts, or just codependent, whatever the addiction is, right? Codependent, codependency is in a really a relationship addiction. Um, I think you have to get the strength to push back, to not accept the abuse in your life. Um, I, I don't think simply removing the the substance is gonna stop the addiction. I think you need growth. You have to grow in order to combat it. You know. 
obviously I'm reflecting on myself when we're talking about this. You know, I'm like, I'm literally like living it. I've been sharing it because of the nature of my job. Like I talk about this all the time. I, I talk about it way too much, but since all my shit's already out there, you know, I, with, with booze being my struggle, I truly believe, you know, and I didn't go to AA. Um, I didn't, I didn't use any formal program. I just kind of stopped. And that was after two years of binge drinking. And as a child, a part of it was the environment. I don't think I was drinking or I started at like, I was suspended from school and middle school at 13 for drinking in school. So, and I was, I thought it was cool before then. So let's, it's sad, man. Like I'm embarrassed saying that. <laughs> I don't think I've ever shared, but like, so let's go to like 11 years old. I remember seeing my, my parents partying, you know, my dad going out, my, my whole family, aunts, uncles, and booze made you happy. You know, booze was a, a, a good thing. If you were sad, booze helped you feel better. If somebody graduated, let's celebrate alcohol. You know, if somebody had a birthday, let's celebrate alcohol. Somebody died, celebrate alcohol. Any any situation, it's 4th of July, more alcohol. St. Patrick's Day, alcohol. Christmas, uh, you get the point. <laughs> it was everywhere. And as a kid, I saw these people who were doing these things and they were having a great time. And I was like, oh, that I want to be like them. You know, and a part of that, because I was adopted, I think – psychologically, I'm like, I need to do all I can do to make sure I'm a part of this family. My dad never, ever made me feel like I was not his biological son. It was not a situation like that where I didn't feel like I, I fitted in, but in my head, I developed this. And I was like, I got to do what they do to be like them, to be accepted, to be one of this family. And it's interesting that I think coming to terms, like, like having actual conversations with my dad more than surface level recently happened. You know, I, we started reaching that level. Uh, working with you, a few of our, our counterparts. I didn't want to be the dude left behind. I was like, I got to do this. Like, I'm going to lose this opportunity with these men. I think isolation plays a much larger role than we give credit. I think the lack of connections people have is is somewhat overlooked. And in everything you've said, it it ties in so well. You're You're alone with your feelings. You don't know how to tell a friend I have this issue with my dad. You don't know how to tell a, a, an acquaintance or somebody that like you're embarrassed. You don't want to tell them that your dad used to hit you and it made you sad. So now you turn to booze. You don't want to tell them that your mom used to make you feel guilty every time you succeeded because she had a shit life and she was envious possibly of the, the childhood you were having. How does someone who's isolated find connection? I guess. How do you start sharing that part of you? You know, you can't just start running around saying, hey, I'm fucked up. Check it out. You know, like how does a person start sharing their addiction, sharing the things they've been taught to hide? Well, no, I mean, that's a that's a great point. I think isolation is needed. And I think if it's needed, because if you don't isolate, you know, you said, how do you share it with friends? Well, if those are your friends at the time, they're not going to give a shit about you. So it's it's pointless sharing with them. But um, I, I do think you, you need isolation. And in that isolation, I think that's where you start to do the work. Um, and it's, it's painful. It, it's, you get, you know, it's fearful. You're, to be by yourself and not have the attention of others. Right? This is what I tell my kids as they were growing up. And, um, you know, th there were a time where each of my daughters kind of moved away from groups of friends. And they started doing their own thing. And as, as I guess, as they got content with who they were and they had a deeper purpose, they started to connect with better people. And I think it's part of the process, right? If, if you're 
having trouble with addiction, if you're isolating yourself, um, sometimes you need to go, go down that path and you need to feel that pain. You can't really run from it anymore. Um, I always, I always think it's good to obviously get help and, um, educate yourself, you know, learn as much as you can. But, um, sometimes I, I think you need to be by yourself. I mean, you were saying how you just stopped drinking booze, but I don't think it's as simple as that, right? I think there's a path that you were working on becoming a better man for a long time that led you to be able to deal with that. So now once you stop having to pretend to be that person, right? Drunk Zach or whoever he was, now you can be comfortable with just being who you are. You don't have to put on a persona. You don't have to, you know, there's, there, there is uh, nothing to escape. So, you know, with as far as being a father and a parent, I think that's the model we should try to achieve. Um, you know, the, the more you hurt your children, the more they're going to try to escape. And they're, they're not going to be escaping from you. They're, they're escaping from themselves. Right? They're, they're, they're trying to um, get away from the pain. So I, I think, um, you know, I think you nailed it with you got to, you know, the work that you've done is a, an example of where you're at. I mean, obviously, I'll, I'll take the accolades, <laughs> but but just using it as the example, that was two decades of binge drinking, but it did start before then. It started evaluating certain areas of my life, and it's almost like that was the last piece of my puzzle. We're always looking to improve. I'm not saying I'm done, but I'm saying of of the like the demon, the voices in my head that I had to face, like that was my final battle. And now it's like, all right, let's just take it to the moon, like fully optimized. Having people that cared having a a place to talk about it though i don't think it would have been possible if i didn't and i think for those out there right now who maybe had a jacked up childhood you know it's important you realize you can't change your childhood you can change the way you respond to it though and that's what i'm doing i'm changing the way i respond to the way i used to be and i was talking to anthony before we started recording and you know there's there's a part of you that's Again, you're not running from, you're not running to the addiction. You're sort of running from something. And when you stop running and you start facing it, you know, in how many cultures do you have a point where you go out into the woods alone and that's when you come back your final self? You know, that's your rite of passage to become an adult man or adult woman. We don't really have that, but there's something symbolic about it. There's something transformative about it. And for me, you know, right before I totally made that decision, that was on July 7th. It was after the 4th of July, I sort of locked down and I was just kind of in my own little bubble. I wasn't really active in FOE. I, was, I kind of soaked myself in. I was just going through and who am I? Who do I want to be? I'm 33 years old. Who am I? Who do I want to be? Just questions and questions. Where am I coming from? What hurts? What doesn't hurt? What have I learned? What do I still want to learn? And then it was on the 7th. I was like, there, that, I'm there. I finally faced it. I finally dealt with it. It kind of like, like a weight was off of me. And everything from my parents, everything from my past, all the shit I was carrying kind of just melted. And so too did the booze. The voice that was like, ah, go ahead. You're a party, Zach. That guy died too. You know, and so again, you can't change your past, but you can change right now and how you react to it. And you can break the cycle. And I think that's where it ties in really well to the next generation. You know, I I kind of asked an unfair question about, can we do this? Of course we can do this. But it's only if we're asking, you know, only for taking the actions to do this, you know, yeah, and understand you have the power to do it as a father now. 
I mean, that's the greatest role. I mean, in my opinion, I'm biased. A mom might say a mom, yeah. but the greatest <laughs> role a man can play, a greatest role that you can play in another human being's life is out of their father. You know, and it's, that's no joke. But with that, it's work. And we live in a society of quick fix. So Anthony, in your <laughs> estimate. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring ahead. up one point, Zach, sorry. Um, so what you were saying before, where we tend to go down this path and we don't really know, understand what's going on. We, we know that we have a problem. We know that we're addicted. And what I was saying earlier is that a, a child's brain, right? It doesn't develop properly if they're abused. So we, we tend to not recall the pain that we're feeling, why we're drinking, why we're doing drugs. <clears throat> we just know that the pain is there. And I said before that we, we have the power to change that with our own kids, right? By not abusing them, by not hitting them, by not spanking them. I'll go as far as saying not punishing them. I know that some people will get triggered by that. <laughs> but we we have this power. We have this this is in us as fathers to do. And think about how your life would have been now as as a grown man if you would have had that as a kid, right? Think about how all the time you would have saved, all the energy, all the pain, all the emptiness that you felt. And I think that's, you know, something that dads need to consider when they are mistreating their kids. Not only that it's mean or it's not the proper way or there could be better ways, but you could be setting them up for a life of addiction. And because you went through something doesn't mean they need to go through it. You know, I'm in a good. It's not going to make them tough. And that's what, that's exactly, exactly what I was going with that. You know, I, there was corporal punishment in my home. I didn't bring that to raising my children. You know, like I said, when I first had them, it was like a default and I stopped it with my son and it happened again. And I stopped it there. You know, there's, there's is a, it's never too late. It's never too late to stop and be like, Hey guys, we're going to do some things differently. Now here's why I'm learning some things. I'm going through some things, but I want you to, know I love you and I'm working on this and here's how we're going to continue going forward. But the next one is, you know, you, your children are not your next opportunity to go through life again. It's your job to set them up to go to greater heights. I look at my son and daughter and I'm like, man, the things they're going to do, the heights they're going to reach when they're 33, you know, and they're sitting down and they're talking to, you know, junior Migli Reno and they're having a conversation like this, you know, about how they're saving the world and shit. I'm like, it's going to be so far beyond what we've done because they, they started in a better spot than us because we learned our lessons and hopefully they raise their children even better. So my grandson and daughter are going to be light years beyond my kids who are light years beyond me. And it's, you can die a good legacy knowing you were, you know, like what makes a good dad, a good dad has children and their children's children are better than them. Those are the best dads, but, but in the right way, because you invested time, you invested energy, not because you're a fuck up and they, they, they work, you know, they like, like some ghetto ass job, but at least they have something that's better than you. You know, like the goal is to set such a high bar and still have them surpass it. And that sort of ties into something that was, we'll see how that this goes. I mean, every time I talk to you, I get a bunch of DMS, but when it comes to quick fixes, spanking is a quick fix. Ah, oh, in the moment, bow, yelling, screaming. It's an emotional release. We live in a society where everything's quick. We have cure eggs because people don't want to grind and, and pour their coffee. We have instant everything. You tap your phone, your fucking groceries show up. You know, we, we live in a world where it's instant, instant, instant. And I believe because we have these devices in front of us so much, we're now thinking binary. If you think binary, you're going to be a terrible parent. 
because life is not zero one immediately happening. How or what, what is your advice for these parents who are trying to change things and their patience is being tested and tested and tested? <laughs> oh man, it, it's, I think it's, it is getting harder too from the parents' perspective, right? It's, um, so patience is running thin. And um, I, my advice would be um, to share the path I went down as, as I saw my kids grow and I, I had an understanding of who I wanted to be as a dad, who I wanted to be as their father and how I wanted to treat them. I, I knew that there was things I had to work on and I couldn't accept that instant gratification that just because I said something, my kids would do it. Um, so, you know, I, I guess with, with patience is going to come from self-work, but it's also going to come from learning new skills and learning new tools. Uh, communication is important. And, negotiation is is key um you know if, if we can teach our kids valuable life skills like communication and negotiating then we're going to be able to have conversations with them we're going to be able to be connected we're going to talk and we're going to have eye contact um they're going to listen their ears are going to be open because their heart is open to us right they're, they're going to want to understand and there's going to be less less conflict. And when there is conflict, the conflict is going to be looked to be resolved um, because they're going to come to dad for answers. He's going to be the problem solver. He's going to be the solution because you've built that trust. Now, if you're in a family where the kids are running maniacs and throwing things through the window, jumping off couches, and they're, you, you're losing patience, that to me, that's just a reflection of the environment you created. And that's what you need to change. And it doesn't happen fast. No, it takes time. And that's the biggest thing is, and you see this a lot with men's development. They'll come into FOE, you know, their body's looking better. Their, their mind's stronger. You know, they're, they're more focused on what they want to do with their life. And then they start getting irritated with their family. Oh, they don't want to eat right with me. Like, whoa, dude, you have a group that's helping you reach this point. If somebody's listening to this podcast, you have a podcast where two men are talking about tools you can use. Your family doesn't have that. You know, you can't just go in and change the script and like, oh, things should be different. You built this environment, like you just said. You know, you now need to start taking the small but consistent steps to changing it. As long as you're consistent, you're not blowing your lid, you'll be fine. But you got to be consistent in this quote unquote new you. You know, if you're going to have peace, but your entire life for the past 15 years has been chaos, all everybody knows is chaos. And to be honest, we're, we're animals. You know, at least it's the chaos that you know. Even if you go to a peaceful environment, but it's unknown, you're not sure if there's something that's about to jump out and get you. So everybody's going to be kind of hesitant to go into this new environment because maybe you're setting a trap because of all those times. Oh, he's a nice dad today, but he was drinking last night or at night and he got mad. Or on Monday, he was super cool. Have fun. On Tuesday, I got spanked because I walked in when he was on the phone. I was too loud. So your inconsistencies have them wary of anything. So as a father, you just accept it's going to take some reps. You dug this hole, but you can absolutely get out of it with your family on your back if that's what you choose to do because you got to go all in on it. This isn't like a half in, half out type thing. Yeah. Yeah, you got to take responsibility and you have to be consistent. And consistency doesn't mean if they don't eat the dinner, you send them to the room and you consistently enforce that punishment. 
consistency means the the environment that you're creating in your home. You know, when you, when you sit down at a dinner table, it should be a time where the family comes together. It shouldn't be where dad's angry because you're not eating your vegetables. Well, then let's find something that, you know, Junior wants to eat. He doesn't like green vegetables. We're going to load him up on carrots. Or let's ask him what he wants, right? Maybe he's like zucchini. We'll cook some zucchini. Whatever it is to make the environment um, better. And it, it's not taking power away from you as a dad. It's, it's giving them some power over a situation that you've always controlled. And, you know, what does it take? An extra five minutes to cook something up for them? But at least you can sit at peace and enjoy your time together. Then you can talk about things. <laughs> I like how you, you upsell it. Once you do all this, you can actually have a conversation with your family. You know, it's interesting how people get so fucking weird about this too. You know, you start talking about, I remember one time this guy's like, oh, I love your message, blah, blah, blah. You know, but how do you get your kid to finish their plate? And it's a perfect example because what you're bringing up, <laughs> I was like, I don't. I don't make my kids finish their food. I don't belong to the, the clean plate co- club yeah. because I want my kids to listen to their body. I, I don't want them overeating. I don't want to force you must eat more than your body wants to. Like, if you're not hungry, you're not hungry. I'm not going to flip out over this. You know, put it up in the microwave if there's a lot left over. And if there's not, dump it out. And today, you know, for dinner, we had uh, burgers and these like vegetable sliced fries. So like you slice the veggies, you, you cook them in the oven. They like fries, but they're healthy and they, they didn't want them. <laughs> like I think they were soggier. Like, I don't know what it was, but I smiled when they both finished their burger. They crushed it and they had like two of the fries and they were like, all right, maybe excused. Yeah, you may be excused. They get up. And they just dump the fries out. I'm like, dude, like if that were me, my dad once made me sit because I didn't want to waffle because he didn't know this and I didn't know this but it tasted like shit because it was frost bitten. And I, I sat there from breakfast to lunch. I sat there for like five hours because I didn't finish my plate. My dad's like, you can't get up. And I'm like, well, I'm not eating this. So I just like, what did that solve? <laughs> you know, like, Nothing, man. but this dude who messaged me when I told him that it blew his mind. He's like, oh, well, you just let your kids do it. I was like, you just told me how awesome my content was. And because now I don't make my kids eat, you don't like my content at all. And I'm some pussy pushover dad. It's, it's weird the way this works. But let's bring this a step further. Let's bring this fucking big picture. You wrote a great post that I think it's one of your best works, you know, maybe because of the weight of the the message more so than the prose itself. You said, you know, we're raising the next nice guys. And that hit home because I saw like as soon as you said it, I saw it. I was like, damn, we have these parents who are saying, do what I say because I said so. They push back. You must do it or you will suffer the consequences. These same parents will go to their little tablet, slapping the keyboard, resist, stop the steal. Why aren't you standing up to the government? Whoa. You want these kids who have been raised their whole life to not question authority to all of a sudden go out and question authority. And you're going to slap that around while you're screaming at your kid because he needs freaking vegetable fries. Like, come on now. So can you talk to that and kind of touch on that message? Because today, Oh, Congress was, was stormed. You know, people stood up and right, wrong, and different, whatever. We're seeing people blindly following the government, having temper tantrums and burning buildings, or or in the very American way, resisting by emboldening themselves, becoming more sovereign, uh, making their money, more homesteading. So there's the group that I totally agree with, the group I understand, and the group that's just an absolute disaster. Let's talk about the disaster, the ones who are just blindly following the government 
<laughs> people thought that the riot people, I don't think the riot people are a disaster. I get it. Oh, They're man. pissed off and 600 bucks. That didn't quiet anybody down. But your post, man, it really, really hits this point in the head. Yeah, no, I mean, it's <laughs> it's funny how obvious it becomes when you, you start examining it. Um, you know, you, you can't have it both ways. You, you can't have a child who's going to be somebody who goes after life and conquers it and does good things, but you want them to submit and obey everything you say or everything you do or, or <laughs> acknowledge all of your needs and all of your wants. Right? It, it's not a, a healthy relationship. Again, going back to the relationship, um, you know, and this is how nice guys are created. We're, we're subconsciously creating these young boys, and this is going on throughout society. Right, they're medicating boys in school. Um, you know, a, a lot of what um, Dr. Warren Fowle talks about in the boy crisis. There's there's an attack on masculinity, attack on young boys. But further from that, you know, with the nice guy syndrome and and how we condition these boys to grow up to be men who are not capable, who will not resist tyranny, who will submit to authority. Even if that authority is taking away their freedoms, this is something that we're we're pounding into their head at a young age. So um, it, it's bad for the young boys when they grow up, but it's it's even worse for society because what you're doing is you're you're destroying the family because without strong fathers, strong husbands leading the family, government is you, you're going to bet that government is going to get stronger and take over. Um, Would you say that in itself is an addiction? They're addicted to pleasing the authority. They're addicted to pleasing the governing body because if they make angry dad happy, he's nice. If they make government yeah. happy, they're nice. And that's a new, they're addicted to making, maybe getting that that praise of, I did what you told me to do. I wore the mask. I wore six masks today. I did everything yeah. so you don't get mad at me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a form of codependency, right? You, you're, they're worrying about satisfying the government and never caring about themselves. Um. So, you know, I, I definitely think that ties in where the government is um, the government is the overbearing, overruling father now. I think we, we sort of get caught up on the vices that we see addiction with the drugs. We, we gloss over the addictions to pleasing, the addictions to validation, the addictions to, you know, the, these interpersonal relationships where... And, and to your point on not just governing bodies, but also they're addicted to being the person who listens the most or is the kindest or sacrifices themselves the most to help others. I, I put everybody ahead of myself and they forgot to ever make themselves a priority. And that sort of became their drug of choice is the pain that they felt at, at sacrificing for somebody else, the girl they love. She's out getting smashing the, the entire hockey team, but they're there for her and they'll answer that phone and they'll pick her up in the car and it's like, what are you doing? But they they need that. That's their drug. And we, again, we see it. We see it like we're talking with the government and things like that. People don't, though. They just think there's something wrong with you. You're just weak. You know, you just have these issues. These are just another form of your broken childhood manifesting and coming out. And that trauma is now expressed through becoming the punching bag in the relationship, if you will. Yeah. And I, I think that's... That's something um, within men that we need to change, right? To, to keep labeling men as being weak or that they lack willpower. Because um, there is real 
damage done, right? There's real wounds that need to be healed. And we see it everywhere. Like you just mentioned all the different addictions. Um, so I think that's something we need to move away from is, is labeling guys, um, you know, of, of having a weakness or um, don't they don't have the willpower to make better choices. There's something wrong with them. You know, this this stuff runs deep, man. It, it really does. And um, I, like always, I would say that the the common cure would be just to raise better kids. Um, definitely look to to raise our kids peacefully, to, to raise them based on principles. Um, and, you know, to raise them with virtue, with, with love and honesty and commitment, dedication, with courage to, to admit when we're wrong, to apologize when things go bad um, and just be human around them. That, that's how we're going to create connection. That's how we're going to keep our kids attached to us so they don't go out into the world and attach to all the lunacy and degeneracy we see. Yeah, as as you're saying that, it's making me think on the the not not the fuel, but I guess that that affirming motivation that comes when you see an external, completely independent individual validate what you think is the right path. So a lot of men listening might be on that path. They start a peaceful parenting, you know, and they go to a restaurant and they're sitting there and they're nobody has a phone in front of them. They're all talking and having a good time, and maybe their child says. Oh, look at that family. Like they're all on their phone or the waitress or waiter says, you know, Oh, your kids are so well behaved. And you're like, damn, when I stopped yelling, when I started connecting, my children saw the world better. We saw the world better. And the whole world saw us as a, an example of what right looks like. And, you know, earlier you were talking, like if our families get together, which definitely is going to happen, <laughs> you know, you, you'll, it's so good to be with others who, who are on that wavelength because there's no screaming. Like it makes me like, like I get tight inside when I see parents yell at their kids. Like, like it makes me sick to my stomach. Cause I'm like, Oh, that's not it. <laughs> that's not the way to go about that. And you feel bad because now in your head, if they don't fix that, you can see the next 30 years, you yeah. can see the booze, you can see the drugs, you can see the, the drywall needing to be replaced. You can see all these arguments and all of it's preventable. You know what I, I love? That's why with peacefulfathers.com, you know, going there, reading through the content, some of it might really click. Some of it might really resonate. So there's a link below. You can check that out. But more importantly, you have to apply it, you know, and you will see those, those unfounded fears. My kids are going to be not disciplined, you know, or we're going to be unruly. It's, there's no way that you can have healthy children who you don't hit. And I'm just take that 25 mile above you. Really think about what you're saying. If I don't hit my kids, they're not going to be good. Come on. You can go to jail for hitting your dog. <laughs> you you can you hit your wife. Nobody who's gonna defend that? Maybe Sean Connery in like 1963 <laughs> or whatever that that interview that recently came out was. But honestly, you know we're gonna be like yeah, you don't hit your wife. Yeah, like don't hit your dogs. But your kids totally fair game. They 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 talk too much. No, that that's not what right looks like. You know, and with your relationship with your kids, you know you shared that even as they've grown, you know you've you've stayed connected. You do family things. So it's not a one and done. It's not, oh, you only have between the ages of one and six. This is a lifetime of peace, of connection, of unity. And it's really cool for somebody like me, I, my, my son's 11, my daughter's eight, to see somebody like you, whose daughter is 23, not 25, you know, and I forgot the other ages, <laughs> but they're coming together. And I'm like, this is possible to be maintained and sustained. 
that's what right looks like. And I can't wait to hear that or to see that playing out with more families after this podcast, after they find your blog as you're, you're growing and spreading the good word. I mean, it's, it's good to see good. And with all that's bad in the world and all the darkness that we all admit exists, it's good to see light in the home. That's another message you put out that really struck a chord with me. Nice. Glad. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that um, we can get some positivity. And I think that one key thing with fathers to to emphasize once again how important family dinners are. I mean, we ha- I have dinner with my family every night, except for tonight. They, <laughs> they've been texting me. You blame me. <laughs> <laughs> but to the amazement that I get every night sitting at dinner, um, there's actually nights where my kids are just rattling off talking nonstop about their lives and what they're doing and what they're accomplishing and businesses they're starting. And my wife will look at me and she'll be like, man, what's the matter? You're not talking. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm so good right now. I don't, I don't need to say anything. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just content and it, it feels good. And I just want to share that because I think that's a goal that we should strive for as fathers, right? To, to bring that family together, to have your kids, be able to be who they genuinely are in your presence. I think that's real important to express themselves and not only all the good stuff, but especially when there's difficulty, when there's problems, whether it's with a boyfriend or with a girlfriend or even a, you know, a, a friend, um, just to come to you and look for guidance and support. So uh, it, it's something that we should take seriously and we should start um, talking about and definitely applying it more in our life. You know, I recently shared a message on Facebook about it, that it's okay to be happy. And dude, it's, it's crazy. You know, and I, I say the term crazy a lot, but this, it's actually insane how many DMs I've gotten. You know, like literally adult men, hey, this brought me to tears. Hey, I needed to hear this. Hey, this struck a chord. You know, it's, it's almost as though people have forgotten that it's okay to not yell. It's okay for mistakes to be made. Accidents happen. You're not a weak man for not rolling in, you know, with all the troops because your kid accidentally like broke something or knocked a window. I've lost three freaking windows in this house to baseballs, you know, and, and never, not once did I yell, you know, I just, I'm like, Hey, nice swing. Like it's a window. It's the kids playing baseball. Like this is what a great, if that's my problem in life, I'm doing all right. And, and you see a lot of these parents, you know, it's, Every issue is the hill they're going to die on. The way they made their bed isn't good enough. Clean their room. And to any father listening, you know, it's it's all right, man. I The whole world has so much pressure on you that you're like a cornered animal. It's just going to like lash out at the next thing that you can. And oftentimes we're lashing out at our loved ones. And I really, I truly believe that if you allow yourself to experience some peace and joy, you'll you'll be the person like Anthony who's sitting there and you're like, I'm good. And I, I honestly, I think a lot of men that would bring them, their soul <laughs> would smile, their heart would, would just explode with joy to actually allow themselves to be at peace because so many are so wound tight. It's like, man, it's okay to be okay. It is. <laughs> it's okay to be a dad. You know, it's all right <laughs> to connect with your kids. It's okay. It's yeah. okay to be a dad. It's okay. Namaste. <laughs> Bro, well, yeah, I'm like eighty percent hippie. 
the, the <laughs> war is not outside. It's within, always. If we can contain that and control that, the outside opens up and, you know, we won't be as reactive. And, and there's a proper out. way to bring that to your children. You know, we talk about the, like I said, you know, I think this is, it might have been for the nice guy, but the world is dark. You know, we, we all accept that. We all understand, yeah, the world could be a hard place. But the, the whole, in the home, that should be filled with light. And you can prepare your children for the harshness of the world without beating them in the home. You don't have to, to bring that darkness and violence into your child's life for them to go out and stand up for themselves. Your kid's not going to become a pussy getting picked on because you don't spank them. Bring them downstairs. Teach them to fight. Do jujitsu. Have a, another family moment where you're downstairs and you know, you're, you're teaching them how to throw. I mean, there's so many opportunities to make your child strong, your sons and daughters, strong individuals that can take on the world with even greater peace in the home. And I think that message from yours was another one that really hit me because I never heard anybody say it that way. And it's so freaking true. Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, how strong is your influence, right? If I think if you're a man and you're coming home every night defeated and beat up and feeling like crap and overweight and you're broke, how is that going to affect your kids? If you're going out in the world and you're conquering and destroying the world and you're competing and you're successful, not just money, but in every area that you're doing, you could, how, how much energy are you going to come home and bring to your house? You know, I, I was that guy for a long time where I, um, I wouldn't say I hated my life, but I, I just felt like I needed a different path and I wasn't happy. I wasn't content. And I used to come home and, you know, it was sad to be home. Now I come home and I enjoy it, right? I have four dogs every morning. It takes about a, I mean, every day I come home from work, it takes about 30 minutes to calm them down. Then I go up to my kids' rooms and I just check on everybody, see everybody's doing and we have dinner. It's, there's really not much more that I could want right now. I mean, maybe 200K Bitcoin, but other than that, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) But think about it. You know, how many fathers out there and this goes back to, I hope this podcast changes it, but maybe prior to this podcast, they were crushing it at work. But when they went home, they would kick their feet up and grab the beer. And they're like, I don't know why my kids, you know, are becoming alcoholics or so frustrated. Like they didn't see you crush it at work, man. They didn't see that big sale. They didn't see anything. They saw you tired and drinking every day. That's, that's the only version of you they saw. No matter, you're not, you're more than a walking paycheck. They don't need presence with a TS at the end. They need presence with a CE at the end. They need a father involved in their life. One that comes home dead tired, opens the door to, to go home and finally relax. And they say, Hey, you want to go play catch? And you're like, sure. <laughs> that's my life, man. <laughs> I lived that forever. And it's, I love that though. There are times where I, I'll, like we're doing a podcast now I'll go in and then my son will want to talk about something. I'm like, I just spoke for the past, you know, two hours. I don't want to talk, but yeah, buddy, let's talk about whatever. Recently, we've been watching BattleBots. So it's not that it has to be sit across from the table, stare at each other with a candle in the middle. Like it's not some, don't make it weird. Oh, my kids love that. Dude, it's, they brought it back. It's all, it's awesome. So we're watching BattleBots. No, I'm talking about sitting eye to eye with a candle at the table. Oh, no, that's weird. (laughs) (laughs) But BattleBots, let's talk about that. Shit's badass. Dude, you are missing out in life. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, my son, he wants to build a robot that like blows things up. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to do that. Like we, it's happening. Oh, those it's are the cool. homemade robots that they fight in a ring. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's awesome. <laughs> but I mean, it's, I don't give a shit. You know, some people think you have to do this in the woods. You got to go be a boy scout, like TV's the devil or, 
all these things, you know, it only has as much power as you give it. If the TV is not a, a thing you sit and live your whole life in front of, go ahead and watch the show. But if all you do is watch the show, well, you're not really connecting with your kid because you also need the moments where you're walking together on a path, you're playing catch with the ball or kicking something around. You're still having those conversations. You know, don't always be – your time with your kids shouldn't be time watching TV with your kids. There's a difference there. Definitely. Quality time, nothing like it. All right, Anthony. This has been an excellent discussion. Yeah, man. Always good talking to you, Zach. If people want to connect with you, they want to read more of your work or they want to reach out and ask specific questions they might have about parenting, about uh, their marriage, or, or maybe the family they're looking to start and they want to do it right from the beginning, how can they best reach you? You can reach me. Well, my blog is peacefulfathers.com. You can reach me on Twitter at peacefulfathers. And um, you can find me on Facebook. It's my real name, <laughs> Anthony Miglarino. And um, I am on Instagram also. Excellent. I like the the consistency there for all the family men, for all men, in fact, you know, because you do play a role and you do set an example for others who are watching you, whether you're coaching youth sports, whether it's your nephew or niece, the role you play in another's life could change the direction of their life and trajectory forever for the better. So don't ever downplay your role. So if you're looking to follow Anthony to make sure you get it right, or you learn how to impact those who are watching you properly, reach out, DM, the dude's always answering, you know, we have, uh, fatherhood calls every week. So if you want to join the fraternity of excellence, you can get in on those, but nothing happens. If you just listen to podcasts though, you got to take the information we spoke about. You've got to apply it and you'll see the change and just stay the course. And if for whatever reason you're getting frustrated, reach out to myself, reach out to Anthony, you know, just reach out to somebody to kind of vent it out. That way you can go back to working and giving your family your best, you know, don't give your job your best and the family, the rest, give your family everything because that's what's important at the end of the day. Anthony, thank you for your time. Thank you, Zach. To everybody who's tuned in, this has been another episode of the Family Alpha Podcast. Thanks for listening. You can join our private men's-only community at thefraternityofexcellence.com. And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at ZachSmall underscore.